BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same-game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get 150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms, 21 plus only. Virginia only, new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Are you ready to move your career forward? Make your comeback with Purdue Global and get college credit for your work, school, life, or military experiences. With these credits, you may have already completed up to 75% of your undergraduate degree. You've worked hard to get where you are. It's time to get the recognition you deserve and earn a degree you'll be proud of, one that employers will trust and respect. When you take the next step in your life and career, make it count with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback at purdueglobal.edu. The following ad is sponsored by Pets Best Insurance Services. Pets come into our lives in many ways. Shelters, breeders, or unexpected encounters. But no matter how you found your pet, they become our perfect match. Unfortunately, finding the right pet insurance plan can be hard. That's where Pets Best comes in. With a little information about you and your pet, Pets Best will recommend a plan that meets your needs and budget. Visit PetsBest.com to learn more today. Your perfect pet deserves the perfect coverage. PetsBest.com. This podcast is part of the How We Are Network. For information on this episode and many other like-minded shows, visit howweare.org. That's H-O-W-W-E-A-R-E dot O-R-G. Everyone and welcome to another episode of 100 Words or Less, the podcast. I'm your host, Ray Harkins. Thank you for joining us. Today is a very special day, very special episode, a lot of specialness going on here. The guest this week is Brittany Drake, the vocalist and guitarist from the band Pity Sex, who are incredible. More on her in a minute. I want to get this announcement out of the way. So something I've been working on for quite some time, and I got clued into this website via my good friend Corey who also does some cool podcasts. If you're a baseball fan, go check out his Ivy Envy podcast. It's uh, It specifically focuses on the Chicago Cubs, but if you like baseball, you'll enjoy it. So anyways, that plug out of the way. So there's this website. It's called Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N, which is basically a patron, some, some version of that. So anyways, I've always thought of a way, or I, I've always been searching for a way to be like, okay, clearly this show takes a lot of time for me, 
and my editor, Tom. It just There's a lot of time putting this together. And since I don't do this as my full-time profession, sometimes it's hard because I'm like, okay, I'm spending some of my own cash in order to keep this going. And that's fine. I don't care because I was going to do it regardless. But there has to be a creative way in which you, the listener, that are a fan of the show, because I, I've interacted with a lot of you. A lot of you email me on a regular basis and we become friendly either on social networks or, like I said, via email. And it's something that's super special to me because there are people that have just blown my mind in regards to what they've shared with me, what they get out of the show, and it, it, it's just awesome. And anyways, I, I didn't want to do a Kickstarter, didn't want to do this whole like, okay, we got 30 days, otherwise the show is going to go away. The show is not going away. No matter what you do from this point on, you will always get a free podcast a week. That's just a reality. But for those of you that feel invested and feel this is worth your time and what I'm coming to you for, money investing in, that's what I'm looking for. In order to, for one, help the show sound better. For two, to get my editor and producer, Tom, paid because he puts so much time into this and he works a full-time job. He basically fits us in between like the hours of probably 1 a.m. and 3 a.m. And I just am so thankful for him for doing that. So as much as I would like to make this my career, which, you know, if you guys are crazy and decide to start giving a lot of money, then so be it. I'll do this full time. I'll hang out with a bunch of people. I'll fly all over the place. I'll be a journalist, but I don't foresee that happening. But what I do foresee happening is some of you being like, hey, I'll give a few dollars a month to this show. And that's all I'm looking for. So basically, if you visit this page, patreon.com backslash the letter X, purpose X, which for those of you that pay attention to me online, that is like every single online avatar that I've ever had since the ages of uh, probably about 15. Patreon.com backslash X, purpose X. And what you will be able to do is you will be able to contribute a monthly fee to the show. And what does that mean? It's like, okay, for $2 a month, I'm just going to support this show. I'm going to be like, yo, this is worth this much money, and I want to give this to them, them, a.k.a. me. Keep in mind, I have to pay taxes on this stuff. I'm not like walking away being like, all right, sweet, tax-free money, like awesome. No, this is a legit above-the-board operation. Basically, it's a combination Kickstarter slash Fundrive. This will have no end date, but what's awesome about it is it does have a lot of cool rewards. So uh, like the biggest reward is like you contribute – a large amount of, when I say large, you contribute a decent chunk size of money a month, I'll interview you. That's it. And it'll be awesome. And I'll publish it down the line as, a, as an actual episode of the show. And then there's also stickers, there's buttons, there is exclusive newsletters. There's a bunch of fun stuff that I've worked really hard to put together. There's a video on the page, patreon.com backslash xpurposex and you will be able to contribute. I'll, of course, publish this on my social network, so if you forget the website, it's totally fine. You can either email me or just look on any social network, and you'll be able to find it. But anyways, that is what I want to do with you guys. I want to help build this thing. I want to be able to make the show sound awesome. I would love to be able to fly to places to interview people, like just stuff that's hard for me to do right now because obviously I just don't have the resources to do it. So there you are, my hat in hand. I'm coming to you being like, hey, if you feel this is worth something, pay something. That's awesome. I would really appreciate it. And even if you don't, that's fine. Let me put it this way. If the amount of people that download this show on a weekly basis decide to give like $1 a month, that will be murdering goals that I have set for this thing. You know, honestly, thousands and thousands of dollars. And it would be like, holy crap, 
I don't know what to do with all this, but that's not true because I do know what to do with all this. I'd put it right back into the show because I, I, I have a full-time job. Everything's fine from that perspective. All I want to do is make this show better for you. Enough of me rambling. Let's talk about Britney. So Pity Sex came across my table, desk, whatever you like to call it, a while back just via Run For Cover because they have released an EP and a full length on that label. And it was one of those things where it got described to me like, oh yeah, it's kind of like Joy Division, post-punky, Interpol, like all the stuff that just completely rings my bell. I, I love all that stuff and I was so excited to check it out. I listened to it and while it didn't live up to those expectations... It was really, really good, especially for a younger band because there are all all the members of this band are essentially in their early to mid 20s. And so I immediately just kind of started looking around at the band and seeing what they were doing. And it was cool because the thing that struck me about them is that they don't take themselves seriously as far as their online personas are concerned. They don't try to be, you know, this serious, dark, brooding band that comes out in their music and their lyrical content. And they also do this band on their own terms. Like, you know, they all go to school. They all have lives outside of the band. And I just find it so cool that you can have these two polar opposite sides of your life that inform one another. Anyways, we talk about that. Brittany was awesome. She was, uh, she was a little nervous, but she killed it. She did such a good job. She, she told me before we started the interview, she's like, I've never done anything like this before. I'm like, trust me, it'll be okay. So anyways, here's my conversation with Brittany, and I'll talk to you afterwards. point or uh, introduction to kind of you know you and your your, your music and stuff like that um because we i mm-hmm. mean we have a lot of mutual friends but we've obviously never met each other and yeah i don't think we've been in the same room but anyways regardless once once your band kind of popped up into my own personal radar it was one of those things where i mean and i i know this is a common reaction and you will probably explain yourself 100,000 mm-hmm. times moving forward but it's like there's no way to say your band's name not awkwardly mm-hmm. like that's impossible like yeah it, it even in putting this in my calendar it was like uh Brittany, pity sex like clearly yes. i have <laughs> i have pity sex scheduled with you at one o'clock this afternoon it's like yes <laughs> so i'm sure i'm sure i mean obviously i presume the intention is to make it extremely awkward for people to to say your band name in a con in any context um am i allowed to talk about it right now we're we're recording we're recording we're, we're in it we're going we're in it. Okay, I just want to make sure we're in the mix right now. Okay. Yes. Actually, the name was already a name before I joined the band. I moved here from Grand Rapids and moved in with the rest of the Pity Sexers. Mm-hmm. And they had already, I was like a fan. Like, I mean, they were my friends, but I was like, I really like your band, guys. Yeah. And um, they were like, you know, we really want to, like, change things up a little bit and have some female vocals and stuff. So do you want to join? And I was like, yeah, sure. And I didn't really think much of the name because it was already so ingrained in my brain, like as just like a band. Mm-hmm. But when I told my parents about it, I was kind of like, yeah, so I joined a new band um, called Pity Sex. Uh, and now, I mean, like, now I am used to how um, people react to it and kind of just say, yeah, they chose the name before I was in the band. <laughs> but it was actually their friend who is now a model. And... He was the one who came up with the name as, I think, like, 
kind of a joke, and mm. then it just kind of stuck. And now it's it's worked out beneficially for us, I would say. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> There's definitely an element of, of controversy and baggage that immediately goes into the band name. So it's like people, you know, people will undoubtedly judge your band solely off of the name. They'll be like, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, I see where they're coming from. Yeah. But at the same time, it at least it inspires that discussion with people being like, Yo, what's up with that band? Like, what? Why? Why would they even name themselves that? That's crazy. Yeah. Well, you yourself, like, walking into it. What's been the most awkward situation that you've obviously had to? I mean, is it the conversation you had with your parents, where it's like, yeah, so I'm in this band, or what other random context has been like? Ooh, really? That's what you're doing? My parents, they're just kind of like, whatever. Like, Britney's in a band again. I would say in school, it happens a lot. Like, I'll, like, have to take time or not take time off, but, like, have to miss a section of a class or something to do something related to the band. And Mm -hmm. I'll tell my professor, and uh, they're usually just like, oh, cool, what's your band's name? And Mm -hmm. I either lie or just, like, come up with something off the top of my head because I just don't want to have that conversation. But there's been a few instances where I have not had anything else to come up, you know, to like lie with mm-hmm. and um, just told them the band name. And that was just mostly with students. And they usually react actually pretty, pretty well. Mm-hmm. I don't think anybody has like judged me too much <laughs> based on that. Sure, sure. I imagine too, because it's like, the, it's it's a different story if it's in a context like, obviously you being female, that's loaded already. Oh, totally. And so it's like, it, you know, a guy to say that is kind of like, you know, there's that sort of like, not saying that the rest of your band members have a macho attitude, but there's that like, oh yeah, we're called pity sex. Like what of it? Right. But it, you as a female, it's like kind of like, yeah, there's, it's called this. <laughs> That's exactly how I say it, too. I'm like, we're called pity sex. Um, it's like a question mark at the end. <laughs> yeah, like, I don't know if I am allowed to tell you this in public. <laughs> I It's definitely not a comfortable um, conversation for the most part. And people also, I'm, like, worried that people won't take it seriously. And, like, you know, oh, I'm doing this thing. I have to take time, time off from this. Um What's your band called? Pity sex. And then they're like, okay, well, no, you're not, you're not going to take time off of that. It just doesn't get taken seriously. Yeah, no, that's that's definitely true. And I I don't mean to belabor the point. It's I just wanted to highlight the fact that you obviously have to you know struggle with that and figure out how that relates to the outside world. And you, like you said, just having to kind of step into this and be you know be a part of it with being like, well, I have to figure out how to do this. <laughs> it could have been worse. That's like that's just how I've kind of thought about it. Like it could have been something really offensive or something. It's at least something that people most of the time like we've had to like cross borders and stuff and when they ask us our name they just laugh and they're like all right go go ahead (laughs) that's incredible it's like you're almost diffusing the situation with with humor that it's like there's that oh so uh you mentioned like you you said you moved to because you're in ann arbor right now correct yep and you so you moved there from from Grand Rapids, you said? Yep, and, I lived there before. You were born in Grand Rapids? Uh, I was born in Lansing, Michigan, uh-huh. but um, moved to Grand Rapids when I was like eighteen or something, I think. So, but your your formative years, you were in Lansing, right? Yes, uh, near Lansing, Grand Ledge, Michigan. It's like in uh, nowhere. Okay, <laughs> and so uh, cause that that is an area that I haven't spent very much time in personally, like that because mm-hmm. Northern Michigan is is you know not many bands tour through there. I mean, I think I it's like the only times I played in Michigan were like Detroit and like Ypsilanti, which was terrifying in and of itself. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, like you, you, 
it, it's a very rural area, I imagine, that you that you grew up in? It was suburban more so than rural. Um, there was, like, farms and stuff, but there was, like, definitely kids that lived in the what I would consider the city. Granted, it was a really small city, and we were right next to East Lansing, which is Michigan State University, so there was, like, I guess, more urban areas around. It wasn't, like, completely rural. Mm-hmm. I definitely had... I had a backyard, though. Like, I, like, hung out in the woods and stuff. So it wasn't, like, you know, downtown anywhere. Right. You, you strike me, uh, you know, just, I, I'm just placing, I wouldn't even call it judgment, but I'm I'm inferring from how you, you know, you present yourself that you were very uh, artistically inclined uh, little girl and you were spending a lot of time out in the woods rather than, you know, uh, hanging out with your Barbies. You know, not not to say there's anything wrong with hanging out with Barbies because that's, that's, you know, that's your thing. I actually... That's funny because I I just never owned a Barbie. I never really wanted one, and I like that's like what I used to pride my not pride myself on. But I would be like, you know, like I never. I was such a tomboy uh-huh. that Barbies were. I also thought that they smelled weird for some reason, and like just really yeah. didn't even want to touch them. So you're correct in that aspect, but at the same time, I um, like I said, I was a I was like a tomboy, and I just like wanted to hang out with my brother who was like two years. He's two years older than me, and so we just kind of like got along for most of our childhood, and kind of want. I he was like my role model, like I want to be like him, mm-hmm. and um, he is not artistic whatsoever. So I would, and I kind of, my parents wanted me to be the artistic child because of he is a gene. He's actually a genius. Okay. So they were kind of like, well, we need to give you something too. Like he's good at this, but you're really artistic. Um, but I actually am not like very good at anything, you know, that is traditionally associated with art. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm good at crafting, but I'm not good at anything like artistically. <laughs> sure. So, so you can repurpose things. But maybe yes. it's, it's difficult for you to create something completely out of nothing, so to speak. Yes. I have no depth perception or like mostly the visual arts. I just don't get it. And I like I appreciate other people can do it. I just can't do it myself. Yeah. But they kind of pushed that on me a little bit. And so I was like, oh, I'm not. That's not me. Mm-hmm. That's it. So that's interesting. So you said your brother is two years older than you? Yep. And so, uh, so did you kind of just basically be, like you said, that sort of tomboy girl trying to, um, you know, just play, play the, play the sports your brother was playing and just kind of follow in his footsteps? Oh, my and... brother didn't, my brother didn't play sports. Okay. Or, <laughs> but, or, or be active. Um, yeah, we, we like would, I mean, my brother was straight up a, a he still is a nerd mm-hmm. and, um, like that's what I associated with being a tomboy kind of. Oh, and interesting. Yeah. Cause so, I, 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 yeah, I immediately connect the, the tomboyishness with, you know, I mean, girls that I was in like elementary school with that would, you know, play tetherball with me and kind of kick my ass. So like, that's what I equate to a tomboy rather. And so that's funny that you look at this sort of nerd archetype and are like, oh yeah, that's like a tomboy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, let's just say I, I was sporty spice, like whenever we picked, like I was definitely sporty spice, but okay. I wasn't good at sports either. <laughs> so it wasn't, it definitely wasn't my forte. It wasn't his either. Got it. Got it. So he would, by all definitions of the term, kind of uh, more of a, uh, more of an indoor kid uh, and was, was playing with his uh, you know, computer, so to speak. Oh yeah. He was, he loved his computers. <laughs> he builds them now. It's crazy. He's, he's always been very much into them and that was, 
he was an indoor kid, but we would like, like I said, we would like hang out in the woods and stuff. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, I'm trying to paint the picture where like you would be, you are sensitive to the world around you, but yeah, but not, not to the point where, you know, you were climbing trees and swinging off of, uh, you know, ropes into lakes and stuff like that. <laughs> not in the lakes. No, we did have, we did have actually a, like a rope swing like thing that we made. And there was a few times that we tried to build forts out there, but um, we never, we we didn't really do anything too dangerous. I think my my mom kind of instilled in us that if we did anything even remotely adventurous, that we would just die or something. So we just kind of stuck by the rules. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all want more time in our lives. You know, whether it's like, dang, I wish I had like another hour to, you know, play video games or read more or get outside or whatever it is. I know myself that's I actually get questions a lot in regards to this podcast. How do you fit it in your day? And like, how do you do the interviews and all that stuff to be able to then balance the rest of my life from my work and, you know, playing in a band and I have a family, all of these things. But that is why therapy is so awesome because it helps you be able to sort out your life to focus on the things that for one really matter to you and two, Try to find more time for those things that you love. That is why I love working with BetterHelp. Because if you need to find a therapist, they're there for you. So give them a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient for you. And they can be suited to your schedule. And you fill out a brief questionnaire, matches you up with your own personal therapist. And if you do not like that experience, you can switch it. No problem. No questions asked. It's great. So learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Ray today to get 10% off of your first month. It's an offer just for you, the listener of this podcast. That's BetterHelp.com slash Ray. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other. As Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer John Batiste. The all-new Infinity QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same-game parlays, live bets, 
sets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get 150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms, 21 plus only. Virginia only, new customer offer, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Sure, sure. Yeah, you you, you kept things safe. And so, so your uh, your family structure was your mom and dad and you and your brother. And what did your uh, what did your parents do for a living as they were uh, you were growing up? My mom was an actuary. I don't know, like nobody knows what that is. I still have like a hard time understanding what it is, even though she did that forever. She uh, something to do with risk analysis and insurance. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, I, I think I think if I'm not mistaken, you are an actuary. Is the person that isn't necessarily like going out in the field and and you know looking at something that happened but those are the people that are you know taking the you know 1 billion scenarios that happens when something you know something goes wrong and putting like some sort of value on it from an insurance standpoint yes okay. that was basically that was basically what she did but she also did uh she had um spreadsheets for just like uh she was very much a numbers job. That's mm-hmm. that's all I really know. Um, and my dad was a computer programmer, um, but I like don't think that he ever did any computer programming at his job. I think that was just his title. Oh, okay. He was just like a, a dude at an, another insurance company. So that's all he did. So yeah, you you were surrounded by people who were very analytical and very deliberate about what they were doing. Oh yeah. Oh <laughs> definitely. I think my my dad is not so much. Um, he like hated his job, <laughs> so I uh, I wouldn't really associate him too much with that. He, but he mm. is he is in some respects a lot. My brother and mom definitely I would say that one hundred percent describes them. Being in in that kind of environment, and like you said, your parents were trying to foster the sort of you know they 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 wanted to encourage you to fill a role that you didn't particularly identify with. Um, you know, was that, uh, you know, was that difficult for you kind of like trying to navigate those waters to be like, well, I don't, I don't identify with this, but I don't necessarily know where I want to kind of point myself towards. Absolutely. I, something that like I've talked to them about, so it's not like coming out of nowhere or anything. Um, Mm -hmm. and I was able, like, I think it's kind of something that not most people, a lot of people don't really consider how their parents might have like tried to shape them as you were growing as they were growing up but I was always kind of just trying to figure out what was going on if that was difficult for you to obviously try to um, you know because especially if at an early age if they are kind of setting you on a path and you mm. don't identify with that path so uh, I presume that was difficult for you to kind of try to find your own uh, way from that perspective oh yeah no it was but in the same respect like I I so in some instances, I, I sometimes wish that they would have like pushed me in a more academic kind of um, direction because I think that I had like I, w- I would be in a different place now if they had. Mm-hmm. Nonetheless, I'm very happy with where I actually did end up. And I don't think that I would have as good of a grasp on who I actually am and what I actually enjoy if they hadn't pushed me in kind of a false direction. So it really wasn't something that was like traumatizing or anything like that. It was just kind of something that I recognized later on in life. I I mean, in hearing you speak and and seeing how you kind of present yourself, you know, you're, cause you're in your early twenties, right? Yes. 
I know I'm not, I'm not going to do the typical, uh, you're not supposed to ask a girl her age, but I'll, I'll just, I'll give you the ballpark. So, but yeah, you see, you strike me, uh, you know, as, as a, a more mature person than, um, you know, some people are like, you know, I look at other people who I've met and even when I was in my early twenties, you don't think of yourself. All you are is you're kind of existing, you know, you're just like in this fast paced motion thing, especially when you're obviously involved in like music and being creative, you know, you don't, have an, you don't have an opportunity to like reflect on yourself. And it sounds like you've obviously done a lot of that introspection already, um, which you, like you said, it, 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 it helps you set up for knowing yourself better early on in life. Oh, absolutely. I'm, I'm like in the psych field. So, and I think that's what pushed me towards it. I've always had like a metacognition about myself that has like pushed me towards it. Um, and it's always interested me. I've always like more, more so myself than other people, just kind of try to understand why I feel the way that I feel and things like that. Um, so I would say that I have spent a decent amount of time um, kind of doing that introspection. You're looking to, you know, enter a field in which you uh, you obviously have to do that from a, a professional standpoint. Yeah, it's actually, it's funny because, like, you actually learn not to do that at all because the intuitive answers are usually wrong. Um, and you kind of have to learn to like distrust your own, uh, I guess, hunches. It's, mm-hmm. and so it's kind of led me into this like weird conundrum of, of um, you know, like what led me into the field. I have to now kind of like unlearn. And so as you, uh, you know, as you were, you were growing up and obviously as you started to, you know, enter high school and those, those formative years, when did int- like independent music in general kind of start to, you know, percolate? Um, and, you know, you, you self, self-describe in other, you know, interviews that you've done in regards to, you know, uh, reference yourself as a goth <laughs> with your, or, or, or maybe referencing yourself going through a goth phase. So was that, was that kind of your first entry point as far as uh, independent music is concerned? Oh, no, I liked metalcore. Like, I was, like, really into, like, like Christian metalcore. Did Did you come from a religious household? Not particularly. My dad is now, like, very, like, very religious. Hmm. Um, but we didn't go to church or anything. Okay, got it. So, not really. It was, like, an independent thing. I, I'm, I, like, still am pretty religious in a, like, in a loose sense of the word. Mm-hmm. But, um... Yeah, I know it was it was a, a lot to do with like the the people as well as like that that drove me into the Christian medical. Yeah, well, because I, I think I mean it's funny because so many people. Um, you know, have such a, a negative opinion of that, you know, that, that specific style of music. But it's like, I mean, even in my formative years, like that was still, cause this is like, you know, like late nineties. So it's like, you know, I mean, that's when tooth and nail and solid state started to absolutely explode. And it was like almost unavoidable, yeah. but then like, you know, I, I presume a lot of the bands that, you know, you were intro to were, uh, you know, were, yeah, under oath and devil, devil wars Prada and like that sort of like, you know, second or third generation, for, but still, just as pervasive and you know it's 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 identifying as as a kid where you're just like okay there's this awesome band they're being loud and you know doing this doing, doing this cool thing but then there's kind of you know there's an additional layer to it of like their convictions and you know faith and everything else that's mixed up in it so is that what was kind of you know pulling you towards that oh yeah i mean that was part of it i didn't really realize that a lot of the bands were christian to be honest mm-hmm. i just kind of got into them because they were all on the same label and you know like you get 
you find one and then it kind of back in those days you couldn't just do an internet search like <laughs> right you kind of just had to do an actual re- like some research or you ordered i remember i would like order a like a cd and get one of those booklets that has like all the labels, other releases that you could order from oh, sh- like, the phone. Sure. Oh yeah. <laughs> you know sure. what I mean? Sure. <laughs> and that's how I was in- actually introduced to like to like nineties emo and stuff like that that I like really fell into after that was mm-hmm. because of like I don't I'm trying to remember. I have no idea what band it would have been, but it's something that you would never associate with that. Um and I just was flipping through the catalog and I was like, oh, that's really cool. Like, this sounds interesting. I'll, I'll check out Cap and Jazz. <laughs> they sure. have a weird name, uh, and it just kind of spirals from there. Mm-hmm. Was it introduced primarily by the people you were hanging out with in high school and stuff like that? Kind of. There was, I mean, I we didn't live in a cool place, like a hip, cool place. So there was like three or four people who I, who I was friends with there who um, – were like interested in the same thing and like had a band and stuff and they would like introduce me to a couple of things but I I mean I was like I actually was expelled like right at like a little after I got inter- interested in that type of music mm-hmm. and so I just didn't really have that connection with anybody from the school it was more like internet connections I feel like that I got um introduced to more music from you expelled your junior year it was my uh sophomore year it was like the beginning of a sophomore year i think right and that i mean for anybody that that you know can do a small amount of research can find out about that Uh, so i won't i won't bother you for the story because it's it's it is pretty funny i'm sure it was traumatic at the time yeah (laughs) is it one of those things you look back on that time and are bummed that it played out like that because you didn't have that sort of connectivity I'm so happy. I am so grateful. <laughs> I wrote a letter to the person who, like, basically made me, you know, ex- be expelled. And I was like, I'm so grateful because I, first of all, I got a way better education because I was homeschooled. And and I had, like, teachers who were attuned to my, like, specific needs. And they were, like, pushing more than the regular high school curriculum. But also, I basically graduated really early and was able to start my, I don't know, not not adult life, but my like post high school life mm-hmm. really early. And I feel like that's really shaped who I am and changed my, pers- my perspective. And I also was able to kind of branch out and see what other people are like, like people who aren't just from my school. Because mm-hmm. um, that's kind of like you have a core group at high school and then that's all you need. That's all that really matters. But because I didn't have that, I had, I think, pushed way more into music because that was my friend group. That was like who I hung out with. And that was the only social life that I really had because I wasn't going to a a school and being like corralled in with a bunch of people every day. Right, right. So I'm definitely really grateful. I'm really, really Mm -hmm. grateful. At that point, you're forced to look for an additional well, not an additional, a primary community uh, for you to yeah. to kind of latch onto, and rather than you know, like you said, being like, oh, I, I guess I'll go to prom or whatever, you know, whatever you have to yeah. do because you're a part of high school. You hit on an important thing that I think a lot of people 
um, you know, struggle with is, is the idea, you know, when you're in high school, like there's obviously that feeling of, you know, being trapped and like, when does my life start? And like, oh man, like there's the pull and push of like, okay, when does my life start? But at the same time, it's kind of terrifying to graduate because you're removed from your comfort zone. But the, the, the thing that I, you know, that's, that's unique about your story is the fact that I feel that people that start stuff in high school or are forced to do not force, but decide to do things uh, differently, whether that is like, you know, playing a band or whether that is like be expelled, like having, (laughs) having those, those outside experiences helps you start early, quote unquote, like you like exactly like you said. Yeah, I definitely feel like I got a head start, even though like now I'm still in college and I'm 24. I did get a head start. I just had a couple pauses in between, but even just like in my like forming my personality and my values and things that I enjoy and don't enjoy. And like, kind of like we talked about earlier, getting a feel for who I am. Mm-hmm. Those are all things that I dealt with because I had, A, I had so much more time and B, because I like was kind of forced to decide what I wanted to do with my time. Nobody was telling me what to do. It was just kind of, you have to, figure it out yourself. And so did you, uh, you know, as you were, you know, started to go to shows and, and started to experience like that stuff, did you immediately have the notion that you wanted to, you know, play in bands and, and kind of do that? Or was that something that just kind of by, by default started to kind of seep into your life? Always. I've, well, I've always, okay. I, I was not really, I, I wouldn't have ever like considered myself a musician or anything like that. Um, but I've always been, like, super into singing. Like, I was in singing lessons when I was little, and it was something that I just wanted to do all the time. I would, like, put on Tony Braxton and, like, Celine Dion in my room and just sing along. I had, like, karaoke tapes that I would just sing along to. I really, really loved it, and, like, I mean, I obviously still do. So that was actually what pushed me into it. It's not like I ever wanted to be, like, a you know, in a band or a performer or anything like that. I just like really enjoyed doing it. Right. And I you liked, still you, do. Yeah. You liked singing. You like the actual act of it. Yeah. Like I still, I get so mad when I'm in a car or something and somebody doesn't turn it up loud enough to sing along. I'm like, come on, why wouldn't you want to? It's so much fun. <laughs> it's just something I've always wanted to do. And my dad has like videotapes of me when we're, when we were little and I'm just like yelling in the background, I want to sing. I just always wanted to do it. (laughs) Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. That was, that was what pushed me into it. It wasn't like, I like wanted to do it, but it was just an avenue for me to do it. And did you, you know, kind of, you know, backtracking for a second, but did with the, you know, with the expulsion and all that sort of stuff, like I presume that did that cause huge fraction within your house, your household, as far as like the relationship with your parents, or was that something you were able to kind of, you know, navigate without too much strife? No, it was really, it was really bad at the time. I'm really fortunate that my parents were able to like homeschool me because I, I just would have not ever finished high school otherwise because I was on house arrest so I can't go to a different school mm-hmm. and it was really bad because my mom had cancer and my brother had cancer at the time and so they were like going in and out of chemo and I'm sitting there like oh I said something mean to my teacher and now you have to deal with all this stuff and I have my you know like just even court dates and things like oh it was 
it was really, really bad. It was traumatic for everyone involved. It sounds, I mean, in what you're describing it, I mean, that's like a million moving parts. So there's no way that that yeah. wouldn't be stressful for not only yourself, but everybody else. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it was more so everybody else. I, I was like very depressed because I couldn't talk to my friends and stuff like that, or couldn't see my friends and just whatever. Like now I look back on it and I'm, I realized that it was actually way, way, way worse for right. my it was, parents. <laughs> it wasn't, it wasn't all about you, Brittany. That's kind of strange, right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's teenagers, man. <laughs> when you're a teenager, it really is all about you. And now I look back, I feel so bad. I, I've, I've made that clear. So I, I presume both your your mother and your brother have, have got through that or are they still battling cancer? Oh, actually, my mom passed away from, from cancer like uh, two years ago. Oh, man. Yeah, but she had she had cancer my like since I can remember. Oh, and she okay. actually was a very much a fighter. And then my brother is fine now. He had lymphoma and um, like that's the kind of cancer that when once you get rid of it, it stays away. So mm-hmm. it's not really in any danger anymore. So I, I presume I presume that with your your mother passing, you are just like acutely aware of what um, you know how devastating that disease is, and and obviously everybody that surrounds you, I'm sure, knows of the tragedy that you went through yourself. My mom was like a perfect human, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, anybody who knew her would would probably say that. So it was it's a, you know obviously it was really 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 bad and difficult. Um, but she, I just like when I, I looked at it in a positive light and I still do kind of that some people don't even get parents that they love. Mm-hmm. And I at least had a parent that I was like able to, you know, mourn for and love, you know, and I don't want to be too dreary or anything, but no, um, no, yeah, that's your statement is absolutely true. Yeah. I, I feel lucky. I mean, two of my best friends are, are both adopted and they had like traumatic childhood because they didn't have like a, a mom for a while you know part part of their life they obviously found a family with their adoptive parents but I think that's kind of framed how I look at it um some people don't even get that like some people don't have a mom so I'm really fortunate that I have one that I can miss so much that you yeah you can actually you can take solace and comfort in the fact that you had a relationship with her. You, you have these existing bonds that will never be torn apart, even you know through death. She's in your head. That's it. There's no one can take yeah. that away from you. Oh, absolutely. I still feel. I feel like I'm growing up to you know you see your mother and yourself or your father and yourself. Yeah. And I, every time I you know I do something that would remind me of her, I'm just like oh. There, there it is. I'm turning into her. Yeah, you're like she. Well, she's she's still yeah. She's lived on through me. And so then, uh, so as you as as you graduated, like you said, early through you know your high school experience, did you immediately start trying to figure out what you wanted to do? Was like psychology part of your your plan at that point, or was it um, once you kind of graduated and were 18 and can kind of move out? Is that what you you wanted to do immediately? No, I. It was something that was interesting to me. I wouldn't say that it was like a plan yet. Um, I really didn't know what I wanted to do. It was in, which was difficult because my brother was kind of like, as soon as he graduated high school, he went to college and then finished early with a 4.0 at like a really difficult school with a really difficult program, and then immediately was given an internship, and they paid for him to go to grad school and all this. Like he was just was a really big success and just kind of went straight 
straight ahead. And I definitely took some time to like <laughs> to figure out what I was doing and sure. and just like relaxed and took my you know I definitely didn't know for a long time. I knew that I wanted to just do something to like make my parents proud. Mm-hmm. Kinda, you know, everybody kind of has that feeling like oh, I want to like they put a lot of effort into my into my future. So I just kind of want to make sure that it's not a complete failure. Um, so I went to a community college and just took a bunch of classes all over the place and eventually took a psych class and loved it, loved my professor. And it just kind of seemed right. Then I, after, you know, I actually had a lot of times where I was looking to change my major, change my mind. And um, I was just kind of like, well, I might as well go with psych because that's what I have going on right now and it's a little I you know it's a good problem to have to have like too many options mm-hmm. is how I kind of look at it but I'm actually doing um English as well that yeah. <laughs> I even to this day I'm having a really hard time to you know like splitting what I want to do and like putting all my effort into one because I just want to do too many different things yeah so I, I luckily I didn't have to compromise I just am doing as much as I want yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, you're, uh, those are two completely different disciplines, but cool, you have the ability to obviously explore both of those and be like, well, let's see, let's see where each of these takes me. I'm definitely planning on going to grad school for psych, though. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to really pursue the, the English, but it's, it's a great thing to have, you know, like knowledge-wise. Definitely, that's not, that was more of a, I have to finish some other, like, requirements, and I have a lot of time at, at school still, so I might as well. Yeah, go ahead. Sure, sure. And so then when did playing in your first band kind of, you know, pop up in your life? Was that uh, obviously after uh, after high school ended? Yes. I don't know how old I was. I probably was like 19, I would say. I think I'm really bad with like gauging how old I was when things (laughs) happened or how many years ago. Sure. Because I still think it's 2012 for some reason. (laughs) But we, I had one of my friends, Graham, um, I texted him and I was like, I really want to start a band that sounds like New Order or something. And he was like, okay, yeah, like I have a bunch of ideas and gave me this tape that he already had. Kind of like I had, you know, my whole life. I'm like, I want to be in a band. I want to do this. I want to do this. I want to do this. And then, you know, talking about it with people and never following through. And he kind of like forced me to follow through because he found a bassist. Mm -hmm. And then they were like, okay, so our first practice is Wednesday and you're going to be there. And I was like, okay, sounds great. (laughs) And so I kind of just fell into that one. Mm -hmm. It was great. Was was that, uh, was that procession? Yes. Those are the the only two that have ever done anything notable or anything. Right. Um, I presume you played your first show with that. Yeah. That was my first show. Right. Because <laughs> you, you, <laughs> you, you, uh, you strike me too as a type of person where there are, um, there, there are people who it's like obviously like kind of, you know, enjoy being the center of attention, enjoy being in the spotlight. And there are people who I like to call like, you know, reluctant front man, you know. Um, and you, you strike me as a person yeah. who's like, you know, I like playing in a band, but I really hate getting in front of people and doing it. Am I, yep. am I, am I correct in that assumption? Absolutely. Um, yes. And I actually, like, you know, I've always wanted to be a singer of some sort. Um, I actually started playing guitar so that I could have something to do with my, like, hands while I'm on stage and singing, because otherwise I would just feel too uncomfortable. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury 
the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same-game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get 150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Oh, it's such a clutch pickup, Dave. I know, right? I was worried we'd bring back the same team. Oh, no, I meant those blackout motorized shades. MVP of the room. Blinds.com made it crazy affordable to replace our old blinds. Hard to install? No, it's easy. Even you could do it. Nice. I installed these and then got some for my mom, too. What, you fly across the country to do the install? Nope. Blinds.com can do it all. All she had to do was pick what she wanted. She talked to a design consultant for free and scheduled a professional measure and install. Look at you, Hall of Fame son. Oh, I just picked the winning team. They're the number one online retailer of custom window coverings in the world. Oh, Blinds.com is the GOAT. The GOAT. He shoots. He scores. Go to Blinds.com for 40% off site-wide and a 100% satisfaction guarantee. Go right now for 40% off site-wide at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. To even do it. Right. So it's... I love, it's been a barrier I, I, to me. Yeah, no, I love that because yeah, there's definitely people. You know, I, I I used to sing in all the bands I played in, and there, but there definitely is that element of like, if I ever you know like dicked around on on like my guitarist's guitar, there was that feeling of just like, oh, this kind of does feel like a shield in a way. I Absolutely, yeah, it's great. Yeah, <laughs> I love it's I, I so love, nice. I love that you were like out of sheer necessity. I am going to play guitar. (laughs) I learned how to play guitar in literally like two months before our first show. I was like, I think I'm going to play guitar in this band. (laughs) And then I was going to play keyboard at first and I'm terrible at it. So Mm -hmm. I was like, well, I guess I'll try guitar. I've always wanted to. Um, And I had like, you know, learned covers and things like that, but I had never like played in a band or anything, you know, like done anything with other people. Right. So I just kind of picked it up and I was like, otherwise I'm going to feel really uncomfortable. So I kind of forced myself 
to just learn it. And it was actually like the first show was horrible for, for I'm sure, um, because of that. But eventually it became, it, it got better. Sure. Yeah. You got a little more comfortable up there. I mean, I don't know why it's always funny when you, you know, you play in your, your first band or whatever, you always feel like it's such a good idea to film your first show. And it's like, nothing could, it's such a terrible idea. Just don't do that. It is a terrible idea. It's so, I mean, I still am really, really uncomfortable and need the guitar. And I only will do stuff from like the side of the stage. Neither, it's funny because Brennan is the same way. Mm -hmm. You know, neither of us want to be in the middle. We're like fighting for who can be farthest to the side. And (laughs) you're like, can we go ahead and put the drums up front and we'll just go ahead and be behind him? Exactly. That's that's basically, that would be our ideal situation, but unfortunately that doesn't happen. <laughs> yeah. People, people may find that, that stage set up a little strange. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I have to bring it up just because it's, it, it's something that I found interesting where it's like, you know, I mean, I've done a hundred some odd episodes of this show and it's like, I've had, you are literally my th- a third female that I've had on. And so, mm-hmm. you know, it's such, I mean, it's painfully obvious, but obviously, you know, independent music in general, whether you talk about punk, hardcore, indie rock, whatever, it's, you know, completely male dominated. Um, mm-hmm. How, how is that navigated in your own head in regards to like, once you first started to go to shows and are like, Hey, so I'm kind of one of the only females here. Like, you know, how, how, how's your journey been with that? Because it's something that um, it has to wear on you, I'm sure. Yeah. It's definitely, definitely. Um, I, I know it, it, it's a very large question. <laughs> I apologize, but it, it, I mean, I, I guess like, you know, maybe, maybe a good way to start it off is like when you first started to, you know, realize that it's like, oh, wow. Like I am the, not only am I going to, you know, a, a hardcore show, which is a minority of a minority as far as, you know, music mm-hmm. is concerned, but then add an additional layer. Like I am one of only five girls at the show. Like, you know, how did, when did yeah. you first start to notice that? Well, as I said, I've always kind of gravitated towards things that are, or like been friends with boys. Like, um, you know, my best friend growing up was a boy and my brother, you know, was also my best friend. So I, I have, I'm used to being one of the only girls and, and, or I was at the time used to being like, um, one of the only girls in a situation. So that didn't strike me really at least not not too obviously like it, I I like noticed it but it didn't really affect me too much I don't think I also had like a one girlfriend who would always be with me like we would go to shows together mm-hmm. and I think that that kind of like I did never feel like completely alone or anything like that because of it I, I've noticed in you know my years of going to shows where it's like you know you definitely always find you know girls bonding together for obvious reasons because of the, Mm -hmm. you know, the aggressive nature in the music. It's just like the fact that like, you know, there's, we like to go to shows, but we also like to be in a community as well. Not just like, like you said, the only girl in the room where it's kind of like, Oh, what's, what's, what's she doing here? Um, And then I'm sure as you started to go to shows and start to become more involved in music in general, and you know, the, (laughs) the quote unquote scene, so to speak, the, the judgments that get placed on girls in general, as far as like, like oh you know she's she's here to obviously make out with band dudes and like you know start to you know oh yeah that starts to that starts to play into it as well um you know when did how how have you tried to uh i guess gracefully navigate that without you know you know falling into the 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 stereotypical tradition of just like a girl that obviously is trying to make out with band dudes right 
I'm really lucky because in Grand Rapids, where I like really honed that whole scene or whatever, I was like really into it. Um, there were more girls in the scene than there were guys. Wow. And I don't know really why, but I mean, every almost every show that I would go to, there was multiple female members in every band. And I don't know what was unique about it. Um, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm very lucky that I grew up in that or like came up in that, you know, environment. I noticed it a lot more in like hardcore shows, obviously, but this was like more of like a punk kind of community in mm-hmm. Grand Rapids. I definitely do notice it more like on this side of the state because the, you know, the opposing sides, there's more, it's definitely male dominated. It's like 100% male dominated. Mm-hmm. It's not too much of an issue because by the time I had moved here, first of all, people at least like somewhat respected <laughs> respected me as a human being because they I'd like known them through like doing shows for them or whatever. Like it's 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 not like I was just like a, a new face sure. to a lot of the people in the in the more male dominated scene. Um, there's definitely been a number of of times that I've come across the just general disrespect um, Mm -hmm. or stereotyping. um, But for for the most part, like those, the people who, who do that are, uh, I I just want to tread carefully. The people who do that, like don't really matter. Sure. People who do that are just shitheads. Yeah. You know? No, I, you're, I'll fill in the words for you where it's like the, the notion that it's like people that do have that sort of attitude are usually quickly weeded out where it's like, okay. Yeah. Nobody really, I mean, they don't stick around. Those uh, The people who I'm, like, good friends with are too smart to fall into that that kind of stereotyping. And they already know who I am anyway. So yeah. I think also just, like, having their, it's kind of sad. Because I do think that, like, kind of having their friendship validates my <laughs> my existence as, as within the scene or whatever. Um, because they're respectable people. I, I think there's a notion too, like the the idea that you probably, you know, relatively speaking, you probably had to work harder to quote unquote build your credibility because of simply because of of you know you being a female. Like you had to work, you know, you had to book whatever. Using a, a, a shoddy example, but it's like you know you had to book 15 shows before people are like, oh yo, Brittany's like she's on the level, like she's not she's not one of those girls, quote unquote. And then a guy, yeah. a, a guy has to book two shows, and they're like, "Oh yeah, that dude's cool." Like, oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, I like I said, I'm super lucky that I I came up in Grand Rapids, and people were they didn't have that attitude as much. Um, I mean, there's definitely like a couple people who who did, but you know, I can't even remember like booking my first show or it being a thing because it was so people there were just very accepting and and kind of wanted people to get interested and invested Mm -hmm. so they were more excited than like trying to figure out who the poser is like they don't they just didn't care about that so um i didn't i luckily didn't really have to deal with it as much as i know that a lot of other people do that's good yeah i mean it's yeah that's awesome that you got to have a more you know for lack of a better term, like natural experience, you know, a, a, a gender neutral experience as it were, um, 
rather than you know a highly charged atmosphere of when i was going to show well not was like i'm like i'm retired but when i was going to shows, yeah. when i was going to shows you know in the 90s when i first started to kind of witness you know this is like 97 98 and it was definitely one of those things where being in southern california it was that's when you know hardcore and more specifically metalcore started to just really rise and it was definitely yeah. one of those things where it's like you just saw the influx of girls that were just 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 interested in being a part of this as a way to meet dudes and it was just like so it was so apparent that it's just it was difficult for the girls that i was friends with who i knew like yourself had you know <laughs> lack of a better term built credibility that they're like yo they're on the level like they're not you know they may date a guy in a band but that doesn't necessarily make them one of those girls you know so it was right it, it's cool that you, like I said, you got to have more of a natural experience rather than being kind of, you know, thrown to the wolves and, you know, sometimes that being a very negative experience. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, I, I, like I said, I, I'm very fortunate because <laughs> I, I now look back on it with like a lot of fondness yeah. and I don't have to look back on it and think like, oh man, those people were bullying me or something like that. Yeah, no, no, that's huge. Something I also find interesting, especially with, you know, the music that you guys are creating with, uh, with pity sex is the fact that, um, you know, mo are, are most of, most of the people that you play with in pity sex, like in their early twenties? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm the youngest, um, uh, Brandon's, I think 26. Okay. Sean is 25 <laughs> and Brennan is, is my age, but he's, he's a little older. Sure. The notion that it's like, you, you know, for all intent and purposes, you guys are making, you know, more mature music for um, your age bracket. Um, Cause you know, a lot of people, especially when you see, it's like, you know, more so in the early twenties um, where you're just kind of, you know, you're creating basic music, like late teens, early twenties, you're just trying to figure out how to even like, create a song in general. And so it's interesting when you're, you know, you guys are being able to create, you know, nuance and atmosphere and stuff that is more, you know, fleshed out the older you get. Um, do you, do you notice people like being able to not really, uh, either maybe immediately identify with you guys because of the fact that it's like, Oh wow. Like this is more, you know, mature music. Um, but you are playing in front of a predominantly younger audience. Like, how is that kind of, you know, have you noticed any sort of friction from that or, or are kids generally being like, oh, I immediately get where you're coming from? I honestly think that kids immediately get it. I, I don't, I think it's hard to say because I don't think that, I mean, I certainly don't look at it as something I'm like, okay, I'm going to like sit down and make, you know, like really make this complex or anything. And a right. lot of our, our, are like, you know, my favorite parts are like super simple too. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I don't really think it's, it's never been brought up as an issue. I've never noticed it. Yeah, I know. Well, that that's good because I, I think too, just because kids, because of the accessibility of music, uh, kids are able to, uh, you know, have a really, really wide musical palette where it's like, yeah, yeah, I like Joy Division and I also really, really like Data Remember. And it's like those, mm -hmm. you know, those things couldn't be farther apart sonically. You at least have, like I said, a palette in which to understand where bands are coming from. So it's cool that you guys are seeing the positive, you know, attributes of that, whether that, you know, the, the iPod generation, as it were, where it's like kids don't listen to records, they just listen to songs. So it's good. Mm -hmm. It's good that they immediately get you guys as opposed to like, oh, yeah, what is what is that weird, dark stuff that they're doing over there? Yeah, I mean, I'm sure that somebody you know, met a lot of, you know, like people out there 
would listen to it and say what, but um, or just like that hate it or whatever. But I'm just glad that like a couple people like it. Right, right, right. And then uh, you know, kind of to you know hit on a last point. You know, the the fact that it, it seems to me that it's like you you know you're obviously balancing playing in a band and pursuing your your schoolwork and stuff like that where i think that there's there's such a distinct pressure for people that play in bands to kind of be so singularly focused on one aspect of their life and not be able to mm-hmm. really explore anything else like do you see that not only around you but are you grateful for the the position that you're kind of in to be able to kind of do a little bit of both so to speak yeah well like i see that at school too i i see it in the people that I go to school with, then they're all a little bit younger than me and have like, I don't know, they all kind of, I didn't go straight to a university where they like pushed you into a career path or something like that. So I have a completely different notion of what I'm doing in at school that can work for some people. It definitely would never work for me because I enjoy both aspects so much. I think they inform each other. There's like, they can't necessarily be, discreet. I mean, some of the lyrics that I've written started out as like English projects. Um, I, I bring, you know, like, I don't know, things, things from the music world um, into things that I do in school as well. And I'm really, really happy that I have the ability and that um, my, the rest of my bandmates are like respectful of what I want to do in school because it's definitely posed problems for us. Like there's been opportunity, huge opportunities that we've had to turn down because of me being in school, but they are thankfully really um, understanding and respectful that it's important to me. And I really, I still think like, I don't think that anything that I would do would be as, um, fruitful if I didn't have the other. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I totally, I I, I get that because I think that there's such I mean, there, there's such, like I said, such importance placed on, especially from a band perspective of like, okay, you have to tour 300 days out of the year in order to like really quote unquote make it. And then for, you know, you and your bandmates to make the distinct decision where it's like, we can do stuff during these time frames, And, mm-hmm. and it's, it, you know, they can coexist and the quality, if, if there wasn't, you know, if, if you didn't have school the quality of what you're doing musically could be potentially diminished because of Mm -hmm. the lack of it being there. So yeah, I totally, I, I don't think a lot of people view it that way, (laughs) Mm -hmm. but, but I think that there's, there's, there's validity in that because you're, yeah, like you said, you're not just so focused on this one thing and you don't have, you know, you can't look at any other influence bearing down on it besides, Oh, just the people I've just toured with and the records I'm currently listening to. Mm Mm-hmm. I, I, I do feel like I have, like, a different perspective than a lot of um, people who are, you know, like, making it a career. I've None of us in, in Pity Sex ever intended to even do anything within the realm of what we've done so far. It was kind of just, like, a thing, a fun thing that we did. Mm-hmm. Um, never really even expected to, like, record a full length or anything like that. That wasn't within our, I guess, our scope. So we just kind of look at it, at it as, like wow, we are here, so we might as well keep on going. And um, luckily, I've been able to continue. You know, if I had to choose between the two, I don't think that I could choose between the two. Oh, that would be like, that would be, I'd probably have to choose school because I just feel like, you know, I feel like I would be really letting my dad down if I didn't. But um, I, I really, 
Yeah. I just think that uh, I wish that more people, especially young people, viewed them as uh, not as mutually exclusive. I wish that more people saw that you could do both and you can be both artsy and and smart or, or whatever, or like intellectual, and that they can coexist and inform each other. It's funny. I have to mention it because you you brought up on more than one occasion the uh, you know the idea of obviously making your parents proud. Like that in and of itself is a very common feeling. But I don't think that the sentiment is as prevalent as as I guess it once was. Like I, I honestly I can't recall the last time a person's actually physically said those words to me like you just did. <laughs> um, so it, it is it something that you. Um, you know, you're doing just based out of, of respect and love, or is it that sort of like uh, external pressure that's put on you, you know, by, by him at this point? Oh, it's definitely um, respect and love, like 100%. I think that my parents would have been, they would have been thrilled if I was a starving artist or if I was a brain surgeon, like since I was little just have always said do what makes you happy don't worry about money don't worry about like things whatever uh do what you love to do and they've always pushed me towards that they've always been super supportive and if I ever had some crazy desire to pursue something that whatever they would 100% back me up in that they've always backed me up with music it's it's definitely respect and love but I also just like I feel like you put so much effort into me. You know, I look back on it now and I'm just like, oh my God, I, I can't even imagine putting that much effort into something and then just having it like fail or <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, or not be, not be as successful as, as it could have been. Or, or on the flip side, just actually be appreciative. Cause I think that's the, yeah, I think that's probably the key point. Like, I mean, I'm sp like, I have a, you know, an almost three-year-old child and it's like, it's one of those, mm -hmm. it's almost, it's one of those things where I look at it, especially in the context of what I've been raised, which is, you know, not too dissimilar from your experience. Mm -hmm. The notion of my kid being able to, you know, basically do whatever the hell he wants under the context mm -hmm. of the fact that like, I will support it. And I will, as long as I remotely understand it, I'll be, I'll, I'll be happy for him and he can pursue that as long as there's that level of like you, like, which it sounds like you've arrived at, it's like that respect where it's like, you, you, you put time into me. Like I, yeah. I love you and I appreciate that from you. And sometimes, yeah, sometimes it doesn't, it takes people, you know, to be on their deathbed before they realize that like, Oh, mm -hmm. their parents did stuff for me. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, to, to be honest, my parents did like way above and beyond what, what, what I feel like, the average parent does. <laughs> um, so I might have arrived at that early because of, because I just like had that unique experience. But um, yeah, I feel like it's a little, it's a little underappreciated. Sometimes some people don't realize how much their parents do until it's a little bit too late. Right. Right. Or just, just the notion too, where it's like the, like, saying you know saying you actually love your parents or like the you know actually making an effort to hang out with your parents it's like you know i i'll mm -hmm. honestly never identify or understand people that like see their parents like twice a year like and mm -hmm. re really hold no effort to like hang out with them like be like oh i'm gonna go yeah. i'm gonna go see my parents this weekend or whatever and it's like that's just such a it sounds like for you too or it's like it's such an ingrained thing of what i do it's like i don't i don't understand that <laughs> It sounds like you're also very lucky and have had have had you know parents that you can do that with. It's just yeah, I I enjoy it. I 
I love my family and I feel really lucky. And I, I, you know, I know that a lot of people don't have that and it's, I'm going to enjoy it while I can and make sure that they know that I, that I appreciate it. Cause I, I know that I was given like kind of a rare upbringing because I do feel like my parents went, you know, above and beyond. Um, but I, I just, I feel like I would be fail. I feel like I would be failing them to not give them like the type of like love and devotion that they gave me. Sure. Um, but that being said, like I would do it anyway. Yeah. No, for sure. And, and it sounds like too. You've you've obviously been able to foster a very positive attitude about like not only your relationship with him, but you know, life in general. And I think that uh, yeah, it, it's easy, especially in the context of independent music, to you know dwell on the negative and dwell on the dark. And while it's mm-hmm. while it's awesome to enjoy art that is created from that place. Um, mm-hmm. It's it's nice to be able to be like no, like I'm I'm positive and I like life. Like this is good. Yeah, yeah. I I mean, I have definitely not recently, but um, like within the past couple of years, kind of like taken a turn <laughs> philosophically, I guess, um, towards towards that ideology, just from realizing that it's you know, some everybody thinks that an artist or whatever creative person has to be bummed out all the time and depressed. And it actually makes, I mean, neurologically, it makes you less creative and, and less interesting. So I have taken a turn to think like, okay, I can actually be happy. I can write about happy things and people can come to that and appreciate that. Uh, and how much better is it to appreciate something that's positive than it is to appreciate something that's, it's, it's fine. I, I, I don't, I'm not, um, I'm not devaluing like art that comes from that, that, perspective i've definitely i've definitely been there but i think it's cool to be able to appreciate it from both aspects yeah well i also too it's like some of the the most you know whatever hate-filled negative lyrics that i've ever heard if i ever have you know if i ever have the opportunity to actually like meet and know the people that have created that are usually the nicest most positive people in general where you're just like it's such a juxtaposition but you do feel like, yeah, I think you hit on the point or you hit the nail on the head exactly where, you know, when, when you dwell on the negative too long, completely de-incentivizes any reason for you to do anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it depresses your brain, literally. By far the most, uh, you know, in-depth philosophical discussion. And I felt like you, you, we've been able to keep up with one another. So good job. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so there you have it. That was Brittany. Cool, right? Down to earth. Very thoughtful. Very insightful. Very deep. Not to say that I wasn't expecting that, but anytime I'm able to engage with a person on that level and talk about philosophical issues, spiritual issues, you know, the big life stuff, I love to engage like that. And it was just awesome that Brittany, not only did would I feel she was able to keep up with me, but completely surpass me as well and be like, okay, she has a good head on her shoulders. So yeah, check out her band, Pity Sex. It's great. And uh, yeah, they'll be on tour whenever they feel like it, obviously, as you listen to the interview. Uh, So yeah, like I said, go visit the Patreon page. I'll be pumping this for a good month or so, and then I'll kind of let it it quietly fade in the background. And then a few months later, I'll kind of be like, hey, check it out again. So for those of you that check out the show on a weekly basis, bear with me. You'll you'll see the ebbs and flows of it. But I just, I want to get it out there. I want to spread the word. I want to make this show as awesome as possible for you. Because ultimately, that's the reason why I do it. It's selfish because I like to do it, but then also as a byproduct, if you enjoy it, that's even better. Anyway, so patreon.com backslash xpurposex. The producer of the show, as always, is Tom Richfield. I want to get that guy paid. Let's visit that Patreon page. And then uh, on the show, the upcoming guests, 
Next week is Matt Miller, a professional photographer, and he's also a member of Most Precious Blood, and he's been an active member in the hardcore community, especially from a live photography standpoint as well. And after that, we have Rob Moran from Unbroken, Over My Dead Body, and currently Narrows. And uh, yeah, that's all. That's all I'm going to tease. There'll be some more people, but I, I just don't want to don't want to blow my load, so to speak. Even though that's pretty gross, but you get you get the point. Anyways, until next week. Thank you so much, everybody, and be safe. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste, the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. The show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Trust me in saying that no matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you, and how you manage them can make all of the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com. Hey, hey, it's Malcolm Gladwell, host of Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Your elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive entirely its own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.